The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Art is Our Perception is proudly supported by Arts Manehiku. Check them out on Facebook. Are you involved in the arts in Southland? Are you an artist? Is your organisation involved in the arts? Do you need more people to know what it is you do? Media training, social networking or website development? Do you need help with professional development? Or just getting in touch with the right people? Talk to Arts Morihiku because they're here to help. Email them, kia at artsmorihiku.co.nz or look for them on Facebook. The Arts Advocates for the South, Arts Morihiku. This is Radio South of 96.4 FM. You're listening to Art is Our Perception, a show brought to us with thanks to the good people at Arts Moriheku, the arts advocates here in the South. And if you want to make contact with them, uh, they've got a Facebook page. It's a good space to do it on. Or you can email them, kia at artsmoriheku.co.nz. For this edition of Art is Our Perception, we're catching up with Dagan Wells, who's the, one of the artists in residence with the Southland Art Foundation. And this time through for the artists in residence, there was a bit of a twist in that instead of trying to drag people from outside of Southland down here to be influenced, the opportunity was offered to Southland artists. So congratulations on being one of those accepted. Thank you. When did you find you were first interested in the arts? Um, I think I've always been really interested in the arts. I... um I've always been around the arts. I sort of grew up around my grandmother, who was a sort of Keynes craft craft person, and sort of I don't know was always around other people that were really interested in craft and specifically wool craft. So I think I've always kind of had understanding of I don't know beautiful things and the process of of making them. Would you describe yourself as a tactile person? Um, yeah, I think so. I think I'm an incredibly visual person, and I think those two seem to kind of like go together quite well. Um, and I think that's sort of how I learn is through kind of, I guess, touch and experimentation and, and, and play. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Uh, so kind of crazily, I, I grew up in Riverton. Um, I lived there until I was about uh, five or six. And then, um, and then we lived in Manapodi for a while. My um, stepdad was involved in the power station over there. And then... Um, I moved up to Nelson where I went to high school and um, yeah, so I've sort of kind of been all over. Um, I went to art school in, in, in Canterbury and, and also in Auckland. So yeah, I've kind of sort of had this quite, I guess like cross-section of New Zealand and yeah. Let's talk about art school for a second. So what was it like going at the arts world from a more academic sense? Um, I think I really enjoyed it because I really enjoy thinking and talking and experimenting with different, I guess, like mediums, but also concepts. And I think I think art school sort of took all those things that I was interested in and sort of helped me in the way in which I think about them or sort of apply them to my own practice. So it really kind of focused my thinking. So did it change how you practiced your art or did it refine? I think it I think it refined but it also enhanced. It sort of allowed me to um, 
I don't know. It sort of gave me space, I think, and time to think about, um, and also encouragement as well. So what about being immersed uh, in a space with, with other creatives for that time? What was that like? Um, I think that was really great. Like, I think it sort of... I mean, sort of creating a community, I think, is really important. And I think when you grow up in a small, I guess, small regional environment, it's really important to kind of, I don't know, find community. And I think for me, that was definitely when I went to art school and sort of saw people like me. Mm. What's been your pathway since art school then? Um, It's been... I mean, it's been... I guess sort of, I don't know, like I'm in my sort of early 30s now, so I think I do a lot of thinking back about, I guess, um, you know, what I've done. And I, and I suppose it's been relatively successful. Like I um, have had quite a few, um, you know, quite large solo shows throughout the country. Um, I've also shown overseas a bit. Um, but really it's been quite research-driven um, and it's been about sort of, living in these different places and sort of um, making work in response to these places as a way to kind of understand, um, you know, the place where I'm in. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So so what does uh, research and immersion in a place do to, to inspire you creatively? I think it's just a more a, a way to kind of understand the place that I'm in and to have a... I guess, like, a way to, I don't know, like, develop community or, um, yeah, to sort of think about, say, the politics or the social issues that have sort of happened or been a response to the place. Um, so I think place is really important for my practice. When you're in a space, uh, physically, um, is, is there a, you know, a light bulb moment when suddenly an inspiration will come to you from, I don't know, it could be the flutter of a bird, the flick of a breeze, the colours uh, of, of a sunset, the texture of the ground, um, and, and you start thinking about, mm, now how can I recreate that feeling um, in the materials that you use? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's definitely the case for me. Um, you know, to use this sort of project as an example, I've become really interested in the um, Otapuni Gardens and specifically sort of thinking about, you know, the history and, and, and also their kind of current place. Um, but I think, you know, like it could be as simple as sort of walking through that park, which I did. I think I kind of had this sort of understanding of what Invercargill was like and then sort of finding this place that, I don't know, it's just like really old but really beautiful and clearly has this quite um, um, checkered but also interesting history. So I think for me a lot of the time it's about walking and sort of, you know, the physical act of walking between places and sort of experiencing, you know, these spaces and then sort of thinking about how, you know, what their place is, is in time. You're back living on the coast now? Yeah, so I moved back five years ago. Um, I live on my partner's family's farm in um, Colic Bay. Um, Yeah, so that's been quite 
quite a learning curve for me and quite like I, I didn't think in a you know a million years that I would ever be back in rural Southland but it seems really appropriate now and I've definitely created a practice that that references that what was what was the shock then Deegan was it was it the uh, farm life or, or the fact that you had returned to hmm, well, just around the corner from where you grew up yeah I think both I think there was this I'm constantly having the sense of deja vu um, you know walking down Riverton Street and sort of seeing these things that I remember from a childhood, um, but also just being rural. I think, um, you know, I've lived in a city longer than I've lived, uh, you know, in small communities, um, and I was really comfortable in the in the city. So I think, yeah, I think there is this kind of, like, clash, but I, but I also think that it's been really beneficial, you know, to me um, and to the work that I make. Does that tie in with... Um, what you were talking about before, that, that you get your your inspiration for Otapuni Gardens, for example, from walking through the space, being in that space out at, at Colic Bay, it is um, it's a stunning landscape. Yeah, it is. But I also think I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the politics of that space and also the histories and, and, and the people that live there. I think I've been really lucky, you know, since I moved there, um, with reconnecting with a woman, um, Isabel Bates, who is the local weaver there, and she taught my grandmother to weave in the, in the early 80s. Um, and I just sort of turned up at her house one day, and she set me up with a loom and some wool, and that was kind of my introduction into textiles, which has been a pretty predominant, I guess, like thread in my practice, and, and sort of thinking about the politics of wool and, and, and I guess, like rural Southland's involvement in, I don't know, um, textile making and, and, and wool production and, and, and how that's changed throughout the years. Is there a kind of um, renaissance for, for natural fibres going on at the moment? I think so. I think there's definitely a sort of shift back to, I guess, like a slower way of working. I think, um, you know, one of the key sort of things that I'm interested in my research is this sort of shifting point in the 1980s where there was this kind of, um, you know, there was a lot, of, a lot of local manufacturing, like even Riverton had a, had a clothing factory and they manufactured, you know, utilitary... Uh, they manufactured clothing mostly for, you know, the local market. And then sort of the 80s happened and there was a lot of shifting of these kind of manufacturing roles overseas. Mm. And I think there's been, I guess, um, kind of, you know, a reclaiming of that or, or wanting things that, that last and that, you know, have a story and that kind of connect you with a particular place. When you're working with these natural fibres, I mean, this is spectacular... A ball of yet to be spun wool. Do, do you like going through the the entire process from from the carding to the spinning to the creation, or at which point um, does your creative process begin? I mean, honestly, no. <laughs> I think process for me process for me is fine, but I think um, you know, in regards to the to the wool, like like I want to use these materials, and the only way to use them because there really is no infrastructure in New Zealand for for spinning wool. I mean, there is, but it's wildly expensive so I think to use these materials I need to process process them myself and I've been really lucky like a lot of the local people have given me you know equipment but also time and you know knowledge and have sort of allowed me to I guess like learn off them um, which I think is something quite sort of unique to you know the country and maybe not something that necessarily would have you know knowledge isn't necessarily um, gifted that 
you know, easily in, in, in sort of urban areas. So, so having had a lot of that information passed on, passed down, um, and I'm guessing from, from mostly older practitioners... Yeah, for sure. Is there a responsibility that you feel as an artist to try and either share or pass that on again? I think... I think just because, you know, Isabel's been so generous with me and so generous with her time that it feels easy to encourage, you know, people of my own generation to, you know, take up weaving. So I think, um, I think yes, but maybe not to the extent that it's been, you know, passed out to me. Um, but, you know, when I'm in my 80s, um, you know, who knows how I'll feel. Sure. Um, <laughs> how do your peers take to... Uh, take to you being an artist and, and the art form you, you love working in? Well, I think most of my peers, you know, are artists or are kind of in, you know, the creative industry. So I think mostly they were sort of shocked that I even moved to rural Southland in the first place. Um, you, yeah, that was quite, I think, quite sort of jarring for a lot of my friends. But I think a lot of my friends have sort of come down and um, sort of seen what this place is like and, 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 and really, I guess, kind of respond to that and understand why it is that I'm, you know, here. So are they creatives as well? Uh, yeah, mostly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so when they see this environment, what's their reaction? I think I think everyone's just so kind of hooked on the colours. Mm. I think there's a, there's a particular, like, colour that exists here. There's a... a um, like a texture and the light is, you know, so different to, you know, other places. But I think also just this kind of understanding that um, when you sort of leave the city, you kind of, you know, all the ingredients are here, you know, like everything sort of comes from here, whether it be, you know, through agriculture or primary industries or, you know, like you kind of really feel like you're part of um, this this kind of, um, you know, process, whether that be, you know, good or, or, or bad, Um yeah, I think it's all. You've had the chance to exhibit offshore. How's it, how was your work received? Um, yeah, good. I think um, you know I've been really lucky, and a lot of these shows that I that I'm in are sort of curated by friends and by my peer group. So I think um, yeah, no, I've been really supported. Um, Has it been received differently to, to how it is here in New Zealand? Um, I, I I don't know. I think the New Zealand, the contemporary New Zealand art scene is really strong. And I think it's received really kind of, you know, like, well, um, overseas. So, yeah, no, I've never had any problems. Um, we were just touching on um, uh, passing things on just before. H- have you found uh, young artists that you've, you've wanted to mentor? Um, What's the art scene like for the up-and-comings? In Southland? Well, in New Zealand. Um, I think strong, you know, I think really strong. I'm always really sort of surprised, um, you know, when I meet someone who knows about my practice um, and who is interested in my work. Like, I, f- I still feel quite, like, a bit shy. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when someone's interested in textiles or interested in, in, in the kind of research that I'm, that I'm doing, then, yeah, no, I love talking about it. Interestingly, I stalked you online, um, and you've shared that um, as a result of a medical condition, uh, you too have been blessed with tinnitus uh, in one of your ears, that slightly maddening thing that Mm. never really goes away. What effect has that had on how you approach the creative process? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. And also one that not many people ask me, but it is quite like a defining kind of feature. Um, I don't know. Because it never goes away. It never goes away, but also it sort of arrives so suddenly. And you don't, and then you go to the doctor and no one, you know, like it's not really something that can be, um, you know, treated or, um, but I think it's sort of changed the way in which I think about, um, or it's definitely changed the way in which I live my life, you know, whether it be the kinds of sounds that I choose to live with, whether it be like the radio or music. Like I think I've become way more experimental with the types of music and the types of sound. Um, because it serves as a distraction. It serves as a distraction, but it also, um, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's the main feature is it sort of distracts what, you. What sort of uh, genre do you like listening to music-wise? Oh, so experimental. On the way in the drive-in today, I was listening to, um, I guess, like forties jazz, which is you know pretty <laughs> not really part of my normal canon, but yeah. Oh, you never know. I was in, a, in my car yesterday with with our youngest, and he was looking through the CDs and found a um, uh, Dean Martin Frank Sinatra collection. And he went, "Oh, I quite like this stuff." Cool. It's like really, did you? Because that's not what I hear coming out of the shower. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're lucky now with um, you know uh, sharing. Um, you know, like Spotify and Apple Music and all those things. Like, you kind of had unlimited yeah, access, got to music. access to so much more. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm guessing you probably consume a reasonable degree of radio in New Zealand as well, or are you surfing across commercials. No, it's it's pretty much. Well, no, it is. It's a hundred percent. It's R&D. conversations. Yeah. It's conversations. Um, I think I've always been pretty obsessed with the radio. Like, it's always been on. Um, I remember the first time I turned RMZ on maybe like 10 years ago and I was really sort of um, I don't know it just sort of kind of became like a constant in my life do you talk back to it? uh, yeah I get angry I you know I feel happy like it's really it's a whole whole range of emotions listening to RNZ so the uh, Southland Art Foundation um, have put up this fellowship that's about recognising the change in urban the the change that's gone on in urban Invercargill over the past while. How are you going about um, approaching that as an artist? Yeah, it's quite interesting. So when I originally put together the proposal, it was about thinking about the types of employment um, historically that would have taken place in the city. Um, I've always been really interested in how particular groups sort of navigate um, urban spaces. Um, but I think for me, I think I'm always really responded by, like I respond to the, I guess like news of the day. And I think I've been thinking a lot about the floods and I guess, um, you know, and, and then also the Invercargill flood. So I think the Otupuni Gardens have become kind of like a, a really sort of, um, I guess like anchor point for me and mm-hmm. thinking about their place, um, you know, with the first survey coming, you know, arriving, on the um, Otapuni River, the river being like a, I guess, a highway for local Māori into the, um, you know, inland. And then also how the city has sort of, I guess, popped up around it. Um, So I think I've really, I've I've chosen this particular place and I'm just sort of going through the process of researching and and thinking about that site and, um, yeah, historically, but also um, contemporary as well. I find it an interesting space to 
to walk through either I tend to book in the day either morning or, or evening going through there which is which is lovely but I feel the ghosts of the 30s and 40s and, and people promenading and you know um, when it was a hustling bustling area where people recognised its beauty when there was more uh, more social intercourse going on you know people mm-hmm. were out uh, in that space and yet I've also seen it used as, as a space for rock concerts uh, and theatrical productions do you think it's time will come again? You know, I'm, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I think part of its charm, because, like I said, like I had no, I had no understanding of that place. I'd never been there before and, until I was literally just walking through it one evening. Um, and I mean, part of the magic for me is the fact that there was no <laughs> no people there. But you know, as a public space, I think it's it's definitely had its place. Um, yeah, with a you know whatever that is like uh, one evening I saw people having a picnic in there mm. and then there were two people that were clearly on a date drinking beer on a park bench you know all these kinds of things that I think parks sort of um, yeah people use them in the way that that they need to um, but I think as a place it's just really interesting and I've become really interested in the um, the man um, James Morton who designed the gardens back in I think it was like 1866 maybe slightly later but he won a competition through the council um, and I've just been spending a lot of time reading about him and, and I guess his life and, and sort of I don't know it's interesting to me to sort of discover a person that lived over 120 years ago um, yeah, that's been a really interesting part of the project for me. I still find it interesting that the whole area was, you know, surveyed by John Turnbull Thompson, who found his way here after Singapore, uh, and here's where he settled. Yeah, <laughs> having travelled the world, mind you, you know, trouncing around the South Island in those days must have been not only arduous but quite spectacular as well. Yeah. At the end of uh, the fellowship, can you visualise? your work now yeah I can I um, I think what it's going to be is it's going to be a film work a film installation I think there'll be a couple of video works one will be projected onto a large aluminium screen um, and that will sort of create a situation where light is sort of thrown around the space and I think it'll be quite beautiful um, there'll be also another film that includes archival documents or original plans and photographs of Autopuni Gardens but also <clears throat> the recent um, you know the, the flood bank um, and, and yeah just sort of thinking about its time and also its, its relationship to the central city and how that's evolved um, I think I think Autopuni Gardens is a great um, I guess um, example I, I suppose to think about you know, as kind of as, as a symbol, I guess, of the city and its and its development. Has the um, has the, the the fellowship changed the way you approached your art, or is it has has it benefited from the way that you've developed across the years? I think um, I I don't think I've changed much. In fact, I think I've I've gone back to some of the some of the mediums that I've that I've used or been you know mostly using in my past so I think it's been a sort of revisiting of of old um, technology and old um, yeah old ways of thinking Um, yeah enjoyed it? yeah I've really enjoyed it I um, 
I really haven't spent that much time in Chicago. You know, I've known about Chicago throughout my life. Like, I, my grandparents lived here, and I've always had a relationship with it, but I've never spent a good amount of time here. And I think um, I think I had this, this idea that Chicago was um, kind of ugly. Um, but actually now I understand that that's not the case at all. Um, because I literally spent so much time walking around and I have spent so much time in the, the green belt and, and the central city and um, going behind buildings and exploring. And I think I'm starting to understand that this place is um, actually quite special. It's been an absolute pleasure uh sharing thoughts and conversation with you, Dick, and I, I look forward to seeing the completed works. Do you know when they're likely to be exhibited? Yeah, May. Um, It'll be May. upon us before we know it. <laughs> yeah, quite soon. A couple of months away. Dick Wells is one of two artists who've been awarded uh, residencies fellowships by the Southland Art Foundation in the wake of the urban redevelopment that's been going on in Invercargill City. And uh, as he says, he'll be exhibiting his works coming up in May. You've been listening to Art is Our Perception. The show is available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, or via the accessmedia.nz app, which is available free from uh, the uh, Google Play or the Apple Store. Uh, Art is Our Perception also has a Facebook page. You'll find a link on that from which you can stream, or you can go to the Radio Southland website, radiosouthland.org.nz. Thanks again to uh, Arts Monohiku, our sponsors for the show. Remember, you can contact them through their Facebook page or kiora at artsmonohiku.co.nz is their email address. Dagan, thank you so much for your time on Radio Southland. No problem. Are you involved in the arts in Southland? Are you an artist? Is your organisation involved in the arts? Do you need more people to know what it is you do? Media training, social networking or website development? Do you need help with professional development or just getting in touch with the right people? Talk to Arts Morihiku because they're here to help. Email them, kiaora at artsmorihiku.co.nz or look for them on Facebook. The Arts Advocates for the South, Arts Morihiku. The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz. 